Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Nick Face joining us off the bench, coming to us from Reading, Massachusetts. Nick, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Hey, Charlie. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Uh, fans can find me at FaceTheFacts15 on Twitter. Excellent, excellent. And Terry, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you? I am doing excellent, and the fans can find me at Cushman MLB. Fantastic, Terry. Why don't you give us a, a quick little rundown of the standings? Well, it hasn't changed in weeks, folks. Uh, the Great Depression of Red Sox baseball continues. The Red Sox. Still in last place, uh, one game above 500. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays in fourth place right now, three games ahead of us. They must be in the uh, possession of the third wild card spot because we're three games out of that. So Tampa continues to lead the division, seven games up on Baltimore in the win column. And, uh, Dumpster fire loss to uh, a dumpster fire team over the weekend. Yeah, my, my favorite stat so far, and it's continue to run this is uh, run this way is the Boston Red Sox in fifth place have the same record as the Minnesota Twins, who lead the AL Central. Both teams are forty and thirty nine. So, if you want to talk about a real dumpster fire, that's the AL Central. So, those teams, the 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 Tigers, the White Sox, the Royals. If you're losing to those teams. That's a real, real bad sign. But, uh, you know, it, it was a fun way to start the series. You know, you get a, a first game win and then you, you parlay that with back-to-back -back losses. The second one was rough, but the third one was even worse. A uh, player that's been injured for, you know, injured and or irrelevant for three years, just one thing after another. Luis Robert just has never been able to put a full season together. In his first full three seasons... He's got uh, 36 home runs. So far in 2023, he's got 21, and two of them were in Game 3 of this series. So naturally, since we did not win the series, we will start off with our duds. Nick, why don't you lead us off? Who was your dud for this series? Even though he had two hits from today, he's still been absolutely abysmal this month of June, and that name is Adam Duvall. Ever since Duvall came off the I.L., I quite frankly feel it's rushed. I feel like this wrist injury, it's one of those nagging things that in some capacities can take months and months, if not year, to heal. I mean, look at Dustin Pedroia with the wrist. Look at Nomar with the wrist over the years. It's always an issue of concern. And I think Adam Duvall's timing is way off. I think the wrist is really impacting his play. Listen to these numbers for the month of June and try not to vomit after I talk about these. For the month of June, Adam Duvall was hitting. He has eight hits out of 49 bats. He is hitting a buck 63. 
He has one home run, four RBIs, with a whopping 268 OBP and a 306 slugging. Holy hell, that is pathetic. But yet, we're still seeing him in the lineup pretty consistently and all. I know Verdugo was out on the behavement list and everything. I know Jaron Duran's had his ups and downs, and he's a little bit of been a yo-yo in a way this month of June and all. I can't warrant when Verdugo comes back continuing to play Adam Duvall. I can't. I can't. You see the impact that Duran brings you on the bases with the speed. He's starting to show you glimpses of hope with trying to hit the other way and not strike out as much as he has been. Duvall is a concern for me, and I think that if this team becomes a seller, which it's leaning towards them becoming a seller the way this season is going, I think he's one of those players that is one of your guys that is departing the Titanic. That's how I feel on Adam Duvall right now. Yeah, go, going into that series, um, or actually going into today's game, he's 0, he was 0 for 11 with eight strikeouts, which is brutal. Uh, Terry, anything you want to add about Duvall? We've talked about him quite a bit, and like Nick alluded to, Jaron Duran can help you win a game so many different ways. All Adam Duvall is going to do is occasionally hit a majestic moonshot, and, and that's it. He's not going to be legging out doubles. He's not going to be stealing bags. He's not quite as good of a defensive glove as Duran is. So, while I do think Duvall is going to get better, I still think Duran is the more dynamic player. And this team is just a bunch of misfits. Like, you you can't... You, there's no natural fit. Really, you're you're going against the grain in center field with Duvall over Duran. First base, just an absolute mess. Middle infield, absolute mess. We're going to be missing Reese McGuire here pretty soon, and I'll, I'll have some takes on that uh, as we go on. But Duvall just not getting it done. Very one-dimensional player, and... Uh, we're, we've we've been paying the price lately with him in the lineup. Not too much to add to that. Um, Adam Duvall is a, a, a shadow of his former self. Uh, Nick already talked about the wrist injury being uh, something that's still kind of potentially nagging, and he doesn't want to talk about it. And sure, he can steal a base, and he's had one home run since returning, but hitting, what was it you said, 167 or 162 with a 308 sluggage? 163 for the month of june that's mm -hmm. awful that's awful and and you know terry you already talked about the fact that yeah you can hit a majestic moonshot here or there but two extra base hits three extra base hits like that's just it's not enough and you need to have some extra level of production where we're not we're not able to sustain that because what we need to do is is build around and protect rafael devers if you have zeros around rafi devers you don't need to pitch to devers and that black hole becomes even even deeper. So uh, the abyss that is the Boston Red Sox, I mean, people can talk about how how great it was to see the Red Sox beat on the Yankees. The Yankees are horrible. They're so bad right now. So, yeah, I expect I expected us to, to take a minimum of two out of three against New York. You're, you're praying that you can do that. Really, the only starter that's 
worth a darn is is Garrett Cole. Everyone else is it's garbage heap, really. You know, people that are are using some extra sauce on their neck to to throw the little extra spin rate, and pitchers are getting popped for it left and right now. And they all coincidentally happen to be coming from New York. But uh, Duvall's struggling, no question about it. Terry. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is he, he had that great start, as we've talked about. And the first week of the season, everybody has this new lease on life. You have these, you know, these high hopes of a, of a great season. And everybody was saying the Red Sox were vibing. And he got off to a great start. And then he gets injured. And then by the time he comes back, sale is done for the season. <laughs> Kluber sucks for the season the manager's about to get fired <laughs> it's just a different it's just a different world now for for adam duvall i think a lot of people were on planet high or planet zippy as i like to call it with adam duvall for the first 10 days was a freaking legend everybody thought you're gonna hit 500 all season you're gonna hit all these home runs welcome to red sox what's got championships on you got to lower the expectations, folks. This is not the guy that you're going to get for the entire season. He's a home run, high strikeout guy, low average. So he's coming down to earth quite a bit right now. I don't think this is what you're going to see for the entire year. But again, that risk has something to do with it greatly. He's just coming down way too soon in the expectations of what we saw from earlier in April. Absolutely. Uh, Disappointed to say the least. Uh, Terry, who'd you have for your dud? Oh, there were some good choices here. Uh, I'm going with Josh Winkowski. Pitched two full innings, gave up three home runs in those two innings. Single-handedly, he's the reason why we lost the series. We had game one in the pocket. By the time, you know, he, he made his appearance in game two. And then we lose uh, in a very dramatic uh, ninth inning, five to four. So if he gives up a couple less home runs, Red Sox could win the game. And there was a time earlier this season where you wanted Josh Winkowski to pitch a couple innings. He was that good. He was that good. Now I want him to pitch zero innings. I, he's just been bad and eerily he's a fastball slider guy. That's what he is. Who did we have to put up with for four or five years? That was a fastball slider guy and got taken deep. You know, I don't even want to mention his name because <laughs> I've been having a very good weekend. So he he's going to remain nameless. Nick does not want to mouth the words Ryan Brazier, but that's that's the direction we're heading here with Josh Winkowski. And if he's not locating that slider, the ball might go over the fence, and that's what's happening. He's been getting hit pretty hard, and Cody, um, he's away on a, a trip. But, you know, recently he expressed some optimism that, you know, Winkowski was turning it around. I wasn't really buying it. And then this weekend. So, I mean, Winkowski single-handedly cost you game two. And while we're at it, I mean, who do you trust in the bullpen outside of of Jansen and Martin? 
You've got Brennan Bernardino. I, I'm still somewhat of a skeptic, but the sample size isn't tiny anymore. So maybe you got to put him in your trust tree. But after that, who is it? You you still have just one guy. I mean, it, it's really Martin. Martin's really the only guy who's in your trust circle. I, I, I can't even mention anyone else right now. Anybody who says Nick Pavetta, just stop talking because a third of an inning is not a relevant sample size. But the the wink home runs, like, thank God they were only solo home runs. If there is a silver lining to this, the, the problem is those pitches were almost right down Main Street. Like, all three of those pitches look like they were right right in the middle, just, just, just brutal. There was no, it wasn't on the corner. It wasn't up and away, low and away, low and in. If you look at those home runs again, those pitches were like pipeline shots. You, you can't, you can't survive on that. It doesn't matter if you have a hundred mile an hour stuff or not. You can't, you can't throw, uh, what was it? I think it was a slider. It was a slider was one of them. Sinker was another. I forget what the third one was, but um, meatball. the pitches, you just, you can't do it. You just can't do it. And it, it's, it's disappointing because this is, I want to say that this is just an outlier game because if not, it's just going to be really sad. But if we don't have, you know, weapons coming back soon, it's going to get ugly fast. It's going to get real ugly fast. I think it already is ugly, truthfully, to tell you both. I think it's really got, got to the point where you can't even beat up on some of these teams that are just pure pathetic in the league. Let this sit in for you folks for the month of June. I'm big on the stats here tonight, but any of you guys want to take a guess what Winkowski's ERA is for the month of June? Because you're also going to vomit after you hear this. 839. 839 no, is my guess. Bad. It's, not, it's not that high, but it's still pathetic. He's at a 506 ERA right now. He's thrown 10 innings. He's giving up 15 hits. Uh, what do we see? Six runs, six of which have earned. The walks are a concern, too. Already five walks for this month alone. I heard some chatter last night about, oh, maybe this was because one of the catchers wasn't behind there. Was Wong really behind the plate? Wong was behind the plate, so this was not a Caleb Hamilton issue for a catcher that was behind there calling the plays. This was strictly Winkowski. I want to put this theory out there. I don't know if you guys think that this is true or not, but it could be. He's overworked. Here's a guy that was traditionally a starter for a majority of his up and coming here for the Sox. Is pitching too much now a concern here with Winkowski? Is the rest of the league seeing him too much now and is becoming very predictable on what he's going to throw to some of these teams now. That's he something also, that might be. I, I, I would buy that if he was pitching every other day or two games out of three. He, he pitched a week ago. He even pitched 20. Oh. Uh, it, so if if that's his excuse, I'm being overutilized. Dude, you're showing up once a series. You pitched twice against Colorado. You did get some work there. You're really only being used once every two to three games. As a reliever, that's part of the job description. If you can't do that, we have problems because then you're not, you know, fulfilling your obligation as a reliever. So if he's saying he's being overworked, I don't buy that. 
I, I find that to be a real sad cop-out because you, you look at it and he has been utilized more than most for, for over an inning, but sometimes that's, that's the call and we need you to pitch more than an inning. You're not going to pitch more than an inning every time. The last, the last time or two, I don't think you pitch more than an inning. I, I, you know, so I, I don't know. That doesn't really carry, carry a lot of water with me. If, if that's going to be the it wouldn't for me too. I'm just thinking that in general, is that going through his mind? Am I somebody I that, oh, I was a starter and now I'm in the bullpen and I'm throwing all this these innings and multiple no. day use? I hate the excuse myself. I hate it. So I hope that that's not what the, the case is with Winkowski struggles here we've seen for June. I, I, I honestly, I'm talking it up to outlier game, a really, really bad outlier. The home run ball has not been an issue for him all season. He had one or two home run balls last month. He had three in one game. Very rare do you see a reliever give up two in the same game. Give up three in, in less than, you know, in, in, in two innings of work. So I believe it's an outlier game. Whatever the mechanics were, they, they clicked. Luis Robert had three home runs in two games. Like, he's just on it right now. That's not helping. And when you're not like a, an, a stud A-plus reliever, you're going to get absolutely exposed by someone who's on it, especially someone who can mash. So I honestly do want to say, yes, outlier. When he comes in, I still do feel more confident than when other pitchers are in there. So, you know, I, I still feel more confident with, with him in it than, than Ort. You know, if Ort's in there, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nervous. Or Garza, you know, just it's, that's just me. That's my two cents. Terry, anything else you want to add? I don't like his mustache. Well, dynamite input there, Terry. Dynamite. Maybe he should shave that. There was a pitcher a little while ago who actually had—I forget who it was. He shaved off half of his mustache and kept the other half. Do you guys remember that? Sounds was like it in a, Oakland A. Uh, MLB or MLB pitcher shaves half mustache. Let me see if I can. Find sounds it. like a, it. Sounds like what an Oakland A pitcher would do. Uh, sounds like a Joe well, Kelly move, but it was what, wasn't. Yeah, it was Mike Fires. Mike Fires, wow. when he was in Oakland A, shaved off half of Oakland his Oakland A's. I get it. He, yeah. he was the whistleblower that tipped off the whole Astro scandal. Yeah, he's... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. He was. I'm done with the Astros. They, they end up winning today, and they, they annoy me more than anything. Not, to go, not to go off the, off the walls and anything, but Terry brought up Joe Kelly. That was very interesting in that game on Saturday when he went off the mound. I guess there was something either on his shirt. Some people thought he had to go take a leak. But no, he didn't. He had to yeah. remove a leg brace, apparently. That's yeah, that's exactly what it was. The leg brace. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. It was interesting. So Leave that it to Joe was, Kelly. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna boo Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly will always hold uh I like Joe Kelly. My heart. It's that face that does it for me. That face just really makes me happy. Anything else you guys <laughs> want to add before uh before we move on? All right. Um my uh, my dub for this one was uh, Yoshida. Yoshi just struggled immensely the last two games, going 0 for 7 with a couple strikeouts. Did have a couple hits in the first game, but you know this is just based on stats. We we can we can harp on some of the other guys that are consistently showing up and whatnot, but uh, they're th this unfortunately was just a really bad outlier uh, for him. I'm just gonna chalk it up to that. Um, Yoshida really really struggled, at least in my eyes. It's it's not it's not something that I anticipate being. Uh, a long-term issue, but just a rough series. So Yoshida was the was my dud. Uh, Nick, anything you want to add? 
My big thing on Yoshida here is the Red Sox are going to need a representative for an all-star game. It's just how it is for the league from everything. I don't know if I'm going Verdugo or Yoshida or everything, if that's my choice on kind of what the all-star looks like, but just how Yoshida has been since that week that he started out and where he's gotten to overall, I think we should be all pretty happy with what we've seen from him. I think this was just, as you said, Charlie, it was an outlier. It was one of those series. I expect him to pick right up on Tuesday when they face off against the Marlins and, who knows, maybe go two for four or three for four or something like that, and we'll forget about this whole weekend series here in Chicago with him. Yoshida is one of my least worrisome players on the Red Sox right now. I will boldly say that right now. So I like what I see. I just think it was one of those one of those games, one of those weekends. Terry. Uh, Yoshida's been streaky, you know, at, at various points this year. His hot streaks are insanely hot, and his cold streaks are – Pretty cold. I mean, he was just two for 11 on the series. Uh, strikeouts weren't really a problem. Only struck out a couple of times, but just uh, not really not really figuring out how to drive the ball like he normally does. And it's just so sad that we're as heavily reliant on him as we are. Other guys in the lineup should be picking up the weight and, and you know... So it's not always falling on him, but, but, you know, it's a matter of time before he, he does get hot again. And like Nick said, he's not really a guy I worry about long-term, but not, not a great series for him uh, against the White Sox. Just unlucky, you know, it, it, unlucky. It's going to happen. No one's going to, you know, go perfect every series, like series in series out. That was just, unfortunately that one. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions uh, in this one. I know Terry wanted to talk about one of them. Uh, Rob, unfortunately, 0 for 7 with a strikeout. Riff Snyder didn't get it done. Hamilton, 0 for 2, a couple strikeouts. He's almost a perfect, every time he comes up to the plate, he strikes out. He's only had one career hit, and that was a home run solo shot last year. And uh, Terry, I know you want to talk about uh, one dishonorable mention in particular. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Connor Wong had a golden sombrero in the first game. And uh, Duvall did, too. I don't know if we mentioned that specifically. We had two golden sombreros in the first game. But um, but it's it's either, you know, Wong is, is coming up big in a, in a clutch situation or he's just a strikeout machine. And we don't have Reese McGuire anymore. Well, not for probably you know, six to eight weeks anyway. He's got an oblique. Those take a while. Those are worse than hamstring uh, injuries uh, most of the time. And with Wong, you know, as as bad as he can be at the plate, now we have Caleb Hamilton, the catcher. And Hamilton got the start today in game three. Bases loaded two outs. He's hitting 180 on the season in triple A. 180 in triple A. And here he is in a big moment in the big leagues. Can't really handle the moment. So uh, our catching situation is starting to suck. The one way Wong does help us is obviously gunning down base runners. And for some reason, Alex Cora on Saturday 
thought it was a good idea to uh, pinch hit him uh, with Rob Ref Snyder. And then what ends up happening is in the ninth inning, um, I forget his first name, Remillard, the middle infielder for the White Sox, steals second base pretty easily uh, because Hamilton was the was the catcher at the plate. So we uh, we sacrificed some defense there. But but from an offensive standpoint, uh, you know, and, and a defensive standpoint, if Wong's not in there, our catching situation is just a complete mess. Well, the reason, the reason why we're struggling is because, uh, you know, most Major League Baseball teams, if they have one area of weakness or, or, or lack of strength, they're, they're going to be able to make up for that. The Boston Red Sox have about four or five areas of weakness, and, and one of them is embarrassingly poor. And we're, we're starting to get to that point now where it's, it's looking like two or three are extremely poor. So uh, you really hit the nail on the head there. Our catching situation is looking almost borderline dire because if you have nothing but another black hole, you have the you know, Jackie Bradley effect where you're just going to strike out every at-bat. You have two or three guys in the lineup that do that. That's awful. They literally had almost 40 strikeouts in three games. You struck out 17 times in the first game. 17 strikeouts. In a nine-inning game, two of your three outs every inning were strikeouts? Are you kidding me? That's a joke. That's an absolute joke. Match that with what the Chicago White Sox did in all three games combined. And that was, I think, 20. I think it was a, a couple of sevens and a sixer. So, you know, I mean, if granted, you're facing Giolito, who's really, really good. That That hurts. Lance Lynn's not the same pitcher he once was. And um, today, you know, what excuse do you have? You just, it's really, it, it boggles the mind. Nick, anything else you want to? I was just going to add on with this catching situation that they have. I know Wong and McGuire are the pair and everything that are there. And, you know, McGuire's out for right now. But is this whole catching situation a reflection of Jason Veritek? Makes me think about it. If he's helping with being the guy that's that's in the dugout and helping with getting these guys into the right situations, picking their brain and stuff like that, is he doing enough to get them into a better situation? Just 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 an honest take, just an honest thought. I'm sure he's consulting with them, you know, on occasion. Uh, Veritek's role as the game planning coordinator and what that basically means is he preps the pitching staff with how to attack the opposing hitters um, so that, that's what Veritek does but it's been a while since you know the, there we've had a problem there in in that area uh, another dishonorable, uh, Tristan Casas. He was two for seven on the series, had a big two-run home run uh, in the second game, but in the, I think it was the ninth inning of that game, failed to knock down a, uh, you know, a, a line drive, basically. And that led to the runner reaching, and ultimately it was that runner that crossed home plate to end the game. So defense still a major problem uh, with the Red Sox. And curiously, Bobby Dahlbeck got the start today at first. So I wonder, I had wondered if that was punishment, but we had runners, uh, I think on second and third, two outs, 
So what does Cora do? <laughs> he puts Casas back in the lineup mid-game. Dahlbeck had only had, what, two at-bats, one at-bat? Yeah, just one. At one. <laughs> just one and just went right back to Casas in that situation. So <laughs> no love for Bobby Dahlbeck. Didn't really give him a, a full chance to play the game. And uh, I don't think, I can't remember if Casas struck out or lined out. But uh, either way, the inning ended uh, with the Casas at bat. So continues to it, hurt us uh, defensively. Uh, for yeah, sure. I, I'm curious if he's actually going to get a proper shot. I, I really don't know. I really, really don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, it can't possibly be worse than what we've had. So why not? Dahlbeck uh, presumably was brought up to help with middle infield because Reyes went on the injured list with, I think, a hamstring. Right. So Dahlbeck gets called up. So you're thinking, okay, all right, so he's going to play shortstop. And I think they've been tinkering with that with him at Worcester. But he never he never played there at all. So just – I don't – what this team is a mess. The manager is a mess. I, I – yeah, I – that's a perfect way to sum it up, Terry. <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to sum it up before we, uh, yeah, before we, we move into our studs. And believe me, sometimes the series are, are kind of easy to pick your, your players that did really, really well. And sometimes you, you have to do a little bit of uh, deep digging here. Um, but for our studs, Nick, who did you have? A pro's pro. That's how I did define this gentleman who has helped this team quite a bit in a lot of different facets. He was, uh, he's been a breath of fresh air in my eyes. I've been a big fan of his ever since he was with the team and the, the signing happened. That's Justin Turner. Justin Turner just comes up. I feel like in the right situations, whether it's a blooping dinky kind of hit and gets the job done, whether it's a big home run, whether it's making a solid play in the field, whether at first or third base, he's getting the job done and he's making at least the, Loss of J.D. Martinez feel a little bit okay because you've been able to have a guy come in here and do a pretty decent job. For the month of June, he's 16 for 30, uh, 16 for 89, excuse me. He's hitting 315 for a batting average. He's hit five home runs, 20 RBIs. He's at a 371 OBP for the month and a 551 slugging percentage. Uh I was advocating for him to be playing more first base before Casas kind of got hitting a little bit more. Um, I just want to see Justin Turner play in this lineup as much as he can and continue to be somebody that I can root for and have confidence in. Terry. The redheaded stepfather. Um, you know, I like that. Continues. Yeah, he's, he's old enough to be a lot of these guys' dads. He's going to be 39 by the end of the year. Um but by far the best offensive player for the month of June. He drove in in the top of the ninth. We were we were down by a run, and he drove in the the game tying uh, run with a a bloop shot into right shallow right field. And who do you trust more right now? Normally the guy is Devers, but it's Turner. And, you know, Turner was only, let's see, two for 12 on the series, but, you know, ha had, uh, you know, one of the more meaningful at-bats uh, in the series. So, like what I see, and, 
I'll just say it this as well. It's been on my mind. I mean, he seems to be the team captain. I, I mean, who else in that dugout is is there for leadership? I guess Kike maybe, but uh, but I, I really feel like the players really gravitate to Turner and are pretty heavily influenced by him. Terry, I was going to say, I think that's one of the main reasons they brought him in this offseason is because of his leadership skills. I think the Red Sox front office, they felt that they needed a guy that could be a good voice in the clubhouse and somebody that the players wanted to play for. That was why Kike lobbied for him. That was why Kenley Jensen came from the Dodgers back to the Boston. Justin Turner is that integral piece. Why? So I think you're absolutely right on the captain-esque. Uh, Justin Turner has completely turned it around this month. Like he, he did great last month, but the man has put together 10 multi-hit games in the month of June. He's a professional hitter. Uh, my girlfriend's dad has talked very highly about him as a Dodgers fan. There are literally zero negative things you can say about Justin Turner Outside of the one thing he did, which was celebrate with his team, which I would have done too, even though he tested positive for COVID. The guy is eons better than strikeout boomer bust J.D. Martinez. Um, nothing is more sad than, than seeing you know, him come to the plate if, if, you're, if you're watching baseball because it's just you know, you're paying a boatload of money for someone who swings a bat and sometimes does well and sometimes does not. The strikeout numbers are really high for him. The home run numbers are a lot higher, too. I think J.D. straight up quit on Boston last year. But Justin Turner has no quitting bones in his body. And Terry talked about it. The guy is 38. He's going to be 39 this year. He'll be 39 years old and is still putting in 110% effort. He's nowhere near as fast as he used to be. He's not going to blow anybody away with a cannon or anything like that. But he can hit it to all parts of the field, and he plays the game the right way with a lot of class. So... Well done for for Turner, uh, Terry. You look like you're you're chomping. You want to say something else? No, no. It, uh, oh, sums okay. It up well. All right. Right, right on. Perfect. Cool. So, uh, Terry, uh, why don't you slide in with your stud? I am going with a guy. I think it was the last episode we just utterly destroyed, and that was Rafi Devers. Uh, turned it around. Had probably the biggest at bat in the series. A two run home run. That put the Red Sox ahead 3-1 to one in Game 1. That did end up being the final score. Here's a hilarious stat for you. We only had four hits that game. We were four for 32, and we win the game because of Devers' home run. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Uh, so th that was a big moment. Uh, but then in Games 2 and 3, uh, he drew two walks. And when Devers is drawing walks, that means he's locked in. His, you know, his plate discipline is good. He's not just swinging for the fences. Uh, was 2 for 3 uh, on, in Saturday's game um, in addition to those two walks. So it was a much better series. And we have a much better chance to win with that version of Rafi Devers especially with Justin Turner hitting in front of him as well. So uh, liked what I saw there. Nick? Well, the, the big thing with the Devers home run there is if it wasn't for that home run, this would have been a sweep. The White Sox would have swept us. 
if that home run was not hit by Devers. Just want to put that out there. It's good to see him hit the ball with authority. I'm still not over the hump right now with if he's found his groove. I still feel he's up there swinging for the fences, undisciplined, not knowing exactly what he's doing in the right situation when he comes to the plate because I still think he's pressing. I still think he's in that, what else do we have outside of JT or Yoshida? What else is going to get the job done? I got to be the hero every night more for this team to win and go far. I still think that he's going to get to a better place. I hope that this was the, 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 uh, the, I, I'm hoping that Friday night with the home run and everything, and even from Saturday, gets him into a nice groove. So he's feeling like himself back up at the plate and being the Rafi Devers that we know. I mean, that's why they signed this contract to him. They believe in him. The team needs to do everything that they can to put great players around him because he's your future. So you need to get him clicking for this team to win and win consistently. Yeah. Uh, Terry. Uh, nothing more to add. I just, like Nick said, I hopefully this is the start of it because he's been inconsistent. So, um, but I thought, you know, this could be a good start. Yeah. I mean, um, the batting average is still not great. Like he's still hitting under 250. Um, and that number did go down from the, you know, the last month, but you know, up from April where he really was the boomer bust candidate, you know, had 10 home runs in the month of April, but also just barely hit over 220. Uh, and that's not what we're accustomed to seeing from, from Devers. But I mean, I think you also have to recognize the fact that if you don't offer a proper amount of protection in front of them, you don't have to throw him really, really, you know, crazy pitches. You, you can kind of do what you want with them, which is why, you know, he's walking at a decent clip. I, I wish he was walking a little bit more, but you know, you put you put a couple nice games together, and you guys already talked about it. Rafi Devers won the first game for us on on one swing. If he doesn't get that, we don't win the game. So that's part of the 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 game with baseball. Luck is going to happen. It's going to go your way sometimes, and against you and others. And that was one that that really went our way. I think it was more skill than luck, but still, that's part of it. And I'm I'm happy that one of those four hits, as Terry talked about, ended up going the right way, uh, at least for us. Uh, I do have oh, just one more nugget. Uh, sure, I forgot. Um, at one this and this is crazy to me. At one point this weekend, Devers was leading MLB in runs batted in, and uh, since then, probably today, uh, Shohei Otani uh, just has one more than him. Uh, so Devers is second right now with sixty. Otani sixty one. But just imagine how many more he would have if he was consistently locked in just throwing it out there no i mean that's, that's an amazing stat yeah yeah for sure there's no question but i mean if, if you if people really if people want to talk about like the the definition of what a, a player is when they're locked in look no further than manny ramirez before the all-star game when he had i think 105 rbis that year before the all-star i, I don't remember what year it was but i remember seeing in the all-star game. And it said, Manny Ramirez, 105 RBIs. I'm like, what? It was when he was a Cleveland Indian. You'd have to look it up. But I remember he had, I think it was 103, 105 RBIs before the all-star break. Someone can, can fact check it. Uh, and, and before that, I don't ever remember seeing another hitter with over a hundred RBIs before 
before the all-star break. And, and, you know, if Devers had a little bit extra lovins before and after, I'm pretty sure he'd be pretty darn close to 75, 80. Jordan Alvarez, if he doesn't get injured, he's also cracking probably 75, 80 RBIs before the all-star break. There's plenty of guys that when they're locked in, they're doing good. Devers is at 60 without being locked in. He's at like 40%, 40%. Holy crap. If he was hitting like 280. Oh my God. We probably would be winning another. We probably have plus five, plus six games win uh, or one rather difference in, in relation to where we are right now. But uh, we'll, we'll slide right into uh, the last stud that we have. And that is none other than Brian Bayo. Brian Bayo in this one, he just com- continues to take my breath away. I refuse to not put him in the honorable category or honorable mention for this minimum one run on six hits, six strikeouts in six and two thirds. The guy has just been absolutely electric ever since back-to-back Yankee games where he just shut them down essentially twice. Had it not been for this darn second base bag, uh, you know, getting in the way, which allowed two of those three runs. The guy allowed one run in 14 innings against the Yankees. He has put, Five out of six quality starts, just back-to-back, just doing everything he needs to do. He has been one of our most consistent starters all year long. And if he is not doing what he's doing, the Boston Red Sox are arguably not just the fifth-place team in the American League, probably one of the three worst teams in the American League. Uh, The guy has been absolutely phenomenal. Super thankful that he's been able to do what he's doing, and I hope he can continue for the rest of the year. Uh, Nick, anything you want to add to that? He's the ace. This the star is born is what Devers has shown so many of us outside of that first start of the season, which was against the Angels. I mean, everything's just gone up and up and up and up and up. And that just shows command has been better. It shows that he's understanding how to pitch in Major League Baseball. It's showing that he can develop and figure out how to also lengthen his starts. I thought this one in particular was a great getting over the hump thing for Devers as Cora really tried to push it more with the high pitch count and trying to get him extended a little bit more. And I love the decision on that because I didn't want to see him come out early. He kept at it. His command kept staying fine. He got out of any of the jams that he did pitched with great confidence and poise He's somebody that I want to sign to an extension right now. He's somebody that I would feel confident with building my pitching staff around. And I said earlier on one of the YouTube shows that I did this week, it's wonderful to have a homegrown talent, especially a pitcher that has been developed in your system. And I feel like the last one that was like that was John Lester. It's been that long, folks, since you've had a guy that you've had this much confidence in with putting in your rotation, having somebody that can go out there and compete every five days and know that this is appointment TV. I need to make sure that I'm there to watch the Brian Bayo starts. I want to have that feeling again, that feeling like when Pedro pitched or Josh Beckett when he was in his prime or John Lester or any of these guys. My eyes are glued to the TV just to watch and see what they're going to do in their performance out in the mound. And I think so many fans are ready for that next person to be Brian Bayo. Wow. How do you top that, Terry? Well, it's hard. Uh, John Lester was drafted 21 years ago. So to, you know, to further illustrate Nick's point, 
<laughs> it's been that long. Tanner Houck is a homegrown talent, but, uh, you know, Bayo is already far and away exceeded, uh, you know, Houck, you know, on any, you know, year he's pitched. And Houck has never put together a full season due to injuries. This year, you know, the comebacker is always an unlucky thing, and that's what happened. But Bayo has his ERA down to uh, 327, so... He's not far from dropping uh, below three and into the upper twos. I guess, I, well, before I get to that, let me just say he's already pitched far and away better than I could have hoped this year. Uh, he struggled last year. He didn't get off to a good start. Uh, and then that was in August. Then in September, started to rein it in, started to show what his true potential could be. And... I think as a crew, we were all fair. Like we didn't set the bar too high for him this year, but he, wherever that bar is, he's definitely gone way above that. And I guess at this point, like all I really want to see is the strikeouts tick up a little bit more and his start previous to this, he had eight and that was a career high. He had a couple of seven strikeout, uh, appearances, uh, before that. So if we can get him to regularly punch guys out uh, at, at a higher rate, now you have a bona fide ace. You, you have a guy who's probably going to start an all-star game and, and contend for Cy Young. So I that's, I think, where he's trending. And the other thing, too, uh, I want to mention, I, I complain about Whitlock's body language a lot. I just He looks very... Anxious on the mound, especially, you know, once runners start getting on base, you don't see that with Bayo. He just, he remains calm throughout the, throughout the start. And there's been a couple of times he's had runners on first and second, no outs and gets out of the inning scoreless. I love to see that. You need to see that in Boston because we're a very maniacal fan base. So when you have a when you have a guy that can hold up to that and get the job done, it's nice to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that we saw and we talked about a lot earlier with one of our duds was Josh Winkowski having three home runs allowed in two innings of work. Brian Bayo in the last thirty innings has given up guess how many home runs, boys? Zero. Zero home runs in wow. the last four starts. Zero. He has no home runs in the month of June allowed, and you have to go back to the middle of May, if we go back through the last seven appearances, six of those seven have not been with a home run allowed. I cannot stress that enough. His ERA has sunk from 5.01 to 3.27 in his last seven starts. The guy is figuring it out, and as Terry already said it, and I'm going to hold him to it, Nobody, and I mean nobody, thought he would have been pitching this great, this well into the year. I was hopeful. I, I was, call me a dreamer. I really like Brian Bayo. But last week I said, this is the type of guy that you need to lock up. And with every single appearance that he comes out with, is he the Spencer Strider of the Boston Red Sox? I don't think there's a Spencer Strider other than the one that Atlanta has. But man, oh man, with every for you know you know forward thinking appearance where he goes six seven innings throws 
probably 100 pitches, strikes five, six guys out, allows a run, not on a home run, it's going to be more and more expensive. Because if he can get 12, 13 wins with this offense, imagine what he could do with a proper offense. He could win 20 games with an elite-level offense. So um, I'm really hoping he can continue to build up on these games. Like I mentioned, he's had five of his last six appearances go for quality starts, and six of those seven with no home runs allowed. So really hard to, you know, to call these outlier games at this point because after the first couple of appearances of the season where he really just did not find himself, he has just been absolutely electric. Anything else you guys want to add? I think we have a lot of there, Brian Bayo. I love Brian Bayo. I think he's great. That's, that's my next jersey. And when he signs a, a 10-year deal with the Red Sox, I'm going to be all for it. Uh, a couple other honorable mentions. Uh, you saw Chris Martin, once again, one of the most consistent eighth-inning guys in baseball, happens to play for the Boston Red Sox, which I'm super, super thankful for. Another former Dodger, and he continues to do it inside and out. Another inning of work, no runs allowed. And then Chris Murphy, a couple of innings, he became – it was a funny stat where they said um, – either the first Boston Red Sox or one of the most recent, I think the first Boston Red Sox to start his first three career games of two innings or more without allowing a run. I don't know who tweeted that, but someone said it in eight innings so far, he's allowed four hits has struck out 11. So Chris Murphy, absolutely on fire. 25 year old rookie is just absolutely tearing it up. He's probably in that circle of trust with, um, with Martin and I, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say Winkowski too, because I'm just going to call that an outlier performance. Uh, any other, any other gents that you guys wanted to mention for the honorable discussion? Bernardino has been very much a pleasant surprise. I never thought that this guy would even be a breath of coming out of my mouth. I never thought we'd say that name again when he first came up and debuted with the Red Sox. What was it about a month ago? We all said, oh, yep, this guy, one and done. See you later. Get back to Worcester. And I give the guy credit. I mean, he's a lefty. He's getting the job done. Even today, in a awful series as it was, went an inning and a third, no runs, did his job. He's a guy that's doing his job. And if he does his job out of that pen and keeps the Red Sox in a game, I'm happy as a clam. So Bernardino definitely, for me, deserves the name. So, uh, Terry, I know I, I, I'm sure you're going to want to weigh in too. I know that on the last show, when you were talking about it with Micah and um, Jason, you mentioned that Bernardino is not someone that has been figured out yet. He's allowed one earned run in his last, I think, like 11 appearances. Uh, so, at, at what point do we say he hasn't been figured out to the guy just gets it? The guy just understands the job. He knows what he's supposed to do. I mean, I, I can't, I, I think he's only allowed what one or two home runs this year. He just, he, it clicks for him. He gets it. Yeah. I, I said earlier in this show, the sample size isn't really small anymore. So maybe we do have to start, you know, considering that he, he could be a good pitcher. 
I don't think the Red Sox expected him to be this good because at the time we acquired him, our other two lefties, Jolie Rodriguez and Richard Blyer, both went on the injured list and they just kind of pulled him off the scrap heap. I think he'd been DFA'd by um, the Mariners. So we end up with him and, and it's it's working out. <laughs> so I just I keep waiting for it to not really work out. He doesn't seem to be that overpowering, but he's been getting it done. So eventually, you just got to take him at face value. And his his stats are good, and he's been pitching really good. Absolutely. Nick, go ahead. You want to be wild, guys? I was just looking at his stats, and I he deserves to be mentioned. There's no doubt about it. He's thrown nine. He's got nine appearances for the month of June. 0.96 earn uh, run average right now. Okay, nine games. Like I said, he's thrown nine innings. Five hits, only one earned run given up, 11 strikeouts, only two walks. Enough said right there for me. Yeah. No? That's stunning. That's stunning. I did not realize that. Truthfully, just had to look at that and see it. That's That deserves the mention, no doubt. He just – he hasn't gotten – he hasn't gotten his clock cleaned yet. You know, like every pitcher is going to have that – you know, Winkowski had that, unfortunately, in this series, giving up three three long balls, and one was an absolute no-doubter. It's like 450 feet, a couple. I think – I don't know if all three were 450, uh, you know, 400 feet, but one was a no-doubter. As soon as he left the bat, you knew. Um, he's doing great. There, there's really not much else. You can't say anything bad about him. Um, His worst he, outing was against St. Louis, just so you guys know. Worst outing I see was against St. Louis on May 14th, and it was only giving up two runs. That's it. Which, yeah, which we just saw Wink do, uh, you know, <laughs> six minutes ago. It feels like uh, anything else yeah. you just want to add? Nope. That's it. Right on. Well, that is going to wrap it up for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.